I've been preaching through the book of Hebrews on Sunday mornings, and I chose not to attempt to teach Hebrews 6 and portions of Hebrews 10 during the Sunday morning context because our time is limited and these are complicated passages. Passive listening during sermons create a greater possibility for confusion, and I wanted you to be able to chew on what the writer of Hebrews is saying here. So, this calls for a deep dive. So let's dive in. So why is this passage, Hebrews 6, 1 through 8, such a difficult and confusing passage for Southern Baptists? Well, there are phrases in this passage like fallen away, renew to repentance, leave the elementary doctrine of Christ to go on to maturity, once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away. It is impossible to restore them again to repentance. Well, if you grew up Southern Baptist, you have probably been taught your whole life that once you are saved, you're always saved. Is it possible to lose your salvation? Is it possible to share in the Holy Spirit and then fall away? Well, this passage in Hebrews is important to understand. There are gaps in our knowledge of God because there are gaps in our knowledge of Scripture. And so let's unpack this passage and understand what the writer of Hebrews is saying to the church who is suffering under intense persecution. Now, when I come to difficult passages, I always create a framework for interpretation. Now, a framework is a list of simple core truths that create boundaries for our interpretation. Now, this framework helps us navigate interpretive challenges caused by a limited knowledge of context, lower reading comprehension, and understanding of language scope of meaning, and general Bible illiteracy that hinders our ability to understand a particular passage. Now, I've developed the following framework for this passage. Core truth number one, the writer of Hebrews is writing to a persecuted church. They could lose their lives if they continue to gather. They could lose their lives if they continue to make disciples and share the gospel. And they could lose their lives if they associate with anyone who is doing those two things. The writer is concerned that some in the church may not be able and may not be prepared to endure such a difficult time. Core truth number two, faith is a process. Salvation is described as a race with a starting line and a finish line. Now, there are some in this church who seem to have started the race, but who, when they do not finish the race, are found to not have started the race at all. First John unpacks this uh, in, in detail, this dynamic. And, uh, and, and John says in his letter that if, they are, if there are those who fall away, they are revealed to have never been saved in the first place. Core truth number three, the illustration that the writer of Hebrews uses to help us understand what he means by the phrase falling away is the Hebrews in the wilderness. So, if you're not familiar with that story, uh, then you'll have a hard time wrapping your mind around what he is teaching in Hebrews 6. Core truth number next. 
It is possible for someone to receive the gospel, but because they don't understand the gospel they are receiving, they end up falling away because you cannot be saved based on a distorted view of God. It is impossible to follow Jesus if you disagree with him on what he is asking you to follow. So having that framework, let's unpack what the writer of Hebrews is saying in this passage. So what is the writer of Hebrews saying? Well, he has just exhorted them to mature in their faith, that God's intention for their lives is not for them to stay immature. They're to press on to maturity. Faith is a process. Therefore, he instructs them to leave the elementary doctrine or teaching of Christ and go on to maturity. Beginning in verse 1, he says, Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Now, he clarifies what he means when he says, Leave the elementary doctrines and go on to maturity. He says, if you are mature in your faith, you completely understand Jesus' work of redemption on the cross. You understand repentance, and you have responded to the gospel by faith. You have obeyed Jesus' command to be baptized if you are mature in the faith. If you've left elementary teachings of Jesus' redemptive work, you also understand the affirmation of the local church. You believe that Jesus rose from the dead, and by faith, you are waiting for Jesus to return so that you also may experience the resurrection from the dead. Cannot wait for that. You live with two dates on your calendar, today and the day. You eagerly wait for the day of judgment when Jesus returns to judge the wicked by throwing them into hell and reward the righteous by giving them eternal life with him in heaven. Now, we want to take a side note here and take a look at an overall understanding of the book of Hebrews. The writer of Hebrews thinks it is important for the church to not get stuck in elementary teachings of Jesus. In other words, he doesn't want them to get stuck thinking of Jesus only as a baby in a manger, only as a good teacher and miraculous healer, only as a man dying on a cross— even, he doesn't want them to get stuck uh, thinking of Jesus only as a risen Savior. Now, he spends a considerable amount of time in his letter unpacking what Jesus has done in the past, what Jesus is doing in the present, and what Jesus will do in the future. And in this letter, the writer wants the church to move on from what Jesus has done in the past i.e. die on the cross and rise from the dead. And he wants them to move on to understand what Jesus is doing now. And the writer of Hebrews spends a considerable amount of time unpacking that Jesus is our high priest right now. He is daily praying for us in the Holy of Holies. What Jesus has done in the past demands a response of repentance from us. But what Jesus is doing right now demands endurance from us. But as a high priest, Jesus is actively working for our benefit and our success. 
Now, the writer says, if you have made any sort of commitment to follow Christ and are participating in faith actively with the church, but you are still disagreeing with Jesus about the, the, these basic teachings, then these things can be retaught only if God permits it, because this is evidence that you have fallen away. Back to Hebrews 6, beginning in verse 3. He says, And this we will do if God permits. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. He's saying, you've heard the gospel and received it with joy. Heaven and hell have been made a reality for you, and you have been enlightened by the Holy Spirit because the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. You've been accepted into the church, and this has allowed you to taste the heavenly gift. You have lived in community with other Christians. You have experienced the kind of love that is only possible in the church. And in this way, the writer is saying, you have shared in the Holy Spirit. You have, by, the way, by way of living in the community of faith, witnessed the transforming effect of God's Word on believers, and you have benefited from this transformation. The, the writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, church, you have no doubt witnessed miracles. You have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come. But now, and in this church's case, the writer is saying you've turned your back on all of this because, the, because of the persecution you face. And the writer is not accusing the church of, of turning back. He's, he's saying that this is possible. So uh, I misspoke there. So he's, he's saying it's, it's possible that you turn your back on all of this because of the persecution you face. And certainly, the tone of the writing indicates that there might have been some that, that, that had actively turned their backs. But now he says you are in need of a second crucifixion, so to speak, if in fact you've turned your back on, uh, on, on God. He says the basic teachings of Jesus's work of redemption was not enough to launch this person who has turned their back into an enduring faith journey. So this person needs Jesus to do something more to convince them to continue following him. He's saying that this kind of person is holding Jesus up to contempt. This means that they are publicly declaring that the gospel is not good enough for them to follow Jesus through this difficult circumstance. So just in case anyone who's reading this letter or maybe us in the future, is confused about what the writer of Hebrews is saying. He uses a picture so that there is no doubt that genuine faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior continues to mature and results in flourishing. Now look at this, this picture he gives in verse 7. For the land, for, excuse me, for land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful for uh, for whose sake it is cultivated, receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed. 
and its end is to be burned. Now, this is why the writer said that, that he can only return a person who has turned their back on the gospel if God permits. Because this is how God responds to faith. He blesses the land that produces a crop that is useful. And because this is how God responds to someone who rejects faith in Jesus and instead disagrees with Jesus. The land that bears thorns and thistles is worthless and near being cursed, and its end is to be burned. Now, this is what Jesus taught in John 15, verse uh, 1. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. For every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. So, how is it possible for someone to fall away? Well, the writer uh, uh, gives us an example in uh, the book of Hebrews. I want to use two examples. I want to show you first how Jesus describes this situation. Then we will apply that to how the writer of Hebrews is using the story of the Israelites in the wilderness. Now, first, the parable of the soils uh, in Matthew 13. Notice that Jesus in this parable talks about two kinds of people. Uh, excuse me, he talks about three kinds of people. People who hear the gospel and receive it, even though they don't understand it. People who hear the gospel and receive it with understanding, but choose to live according to their own pleasures rather than walk by faith in obedience to the gospel. And then finally, people who hear the gospel and receive it with full understanding. Jesus is talking about those three kinds of people, and I want to remind you what Jesus says about those kinds of people. Beginning in Matthew 13, verse 18, he says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what uh, was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. I believe the writer of Hebrews is speaking directly to this point in this parable. Moving on in verse 22, As for what was sown among the thorns... This is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and another in another thirty. Now, the writer of Hebrews uses uh, what has already happened in the Old Testament, the, the Israelites coming out of Egypt and spending time in the wilderness. Now, he uses this example as he, he defines what he means by falling away. Now, when we look at that story, we see that the entire nation of Israel observed the, the Passover feast in Egypt. God told them he was going to redeem them. He was going to bring them out of Egypt, and uh, he was going to do it at some point that night uh, of the Passover feast. And the people were to take the blood of 
the Passover lamb and paint that blood over their doorpost. And they were to eat the Passover feast in their traveling clothes. They were to already have prepared unleavened bread because there would be no time when uh, the when when God brought them out, there would be no time for them to get ready. Um, and so we see that the entire nation observed the Passover feast by faith, uh, preparing for God's redemption. And the, we also see that the entire nation crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. The entire nation ate manna from heaven. The entire nation, uh, once they got to Mount Sinai, heard God speak the Ten Commandments. But, here's the example the writer of Hebrews wants the church to understand. All of that first generation, even though they experienced all of that together, with the exception of two men, all of them refused to cross over to the promised land because they were afraid of the giant warriors that were present there. Now, everyone in that first generation of Hebrews in the wilderness fell away. Even though they had been enlightened, even though they had tasted of the heavenly gift, even though they had shared in the Holy Spirit, even though they had tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come. What is the conclusion of this passage in Hebrews chapter 6? Well, crisis in our lives can show us what our faith is. Now, the, the writer of Hebrews teaches the great distinction between a faith response to the gospel and a rejection of the gospel. He warns us that both responses are represented in the church, but not everyone who participates with the church will remain with the church. Some end up falling away because even though it seemed like they were saved, they really weren't. They were never really following Jesus. He is warning the church in this passage. And it's the same thing that Jesus was describing uh, in, in the parable. He's saying, church, the same thing that Jesus described can happen to you. He's saying, church, the same thing that happened to the Israelites in the wilderness can happen to you. So, as we respond and, 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 and process this passage in our context today, how do you know you're saved? Well, are you following Jesus or are you simply participating in religious activity? In order to be saved, God requires that we understand the gospel and respond to it by faith. The only response God uh, accepts is repentance. And this simply means that we turn from being someone who rejects Jesus as Lord and Savior, and we become someone who, who, who submits to Jesus as Lord and Savior. And, and that word repent, in, in that word repent, as we turn, we're doing three things. One, we are believing rightly about Jesus. We believe that God is creator of all things. We believe that Jesus is God. We believe that he died on the cross to forgive us of our sins, that he rose from the grave on the third day, and that he will return one day to judge everyone according to their faith. And we're also agreeing with Jesus about our sin. And in agreeing with Jesus, we're asking Jesus to forgive us of our sin that deserves eternal separation from the blessings of God in a place called hell. 
And then finally, as we repent, we are committing to spend the rest of our lives learning how to obey Jesus, how to make Jesus the boss of our life, how to submit to Jesus as Lord and Savior. And so the one who is committed to learning how to obey Jesus does not fall away when hard times come. But the one who started coming to church just because they simply didn't want to go to hell, well, this person will probably stop coming to church when persecution and hard times come because they're not following Jesus. They disagree with Jesus and they didn't understand the gospel.